And welcome, one and all, to iCritic Live. We don't have the typical iCritic Live intro, but what the heck? I'm feeling lazy because you know what? We are doing the worst films of 2023, the movies that stole our time and ripped us off. And here to join me, we did this fun last year, is Rachel from Rachel's Review. Hi, Rachel. Hi. <laughs> Thank you for joining us after oh. your play. <laughs> yes. Thanks. I uh, appreciate you delaying it uh, so I could uh, see a, uh, there's a show that's only going on this weekend, so I really had to get that review in tonight. And uh, so I appreciate it. Oh, no problem. So yeah. anyway, this is where me and her are going to list the worst films of the year. Just to let you know, not all the films on my list she might consider to be one of the worst. And not all the movies on her list she might consider to be the worst. Now, we already have a comment. You're seriously going to say Mario is one of the worst movies of 2023? Nice choice. Next, you're probably going to say that Disney's better shit than Universal. And, uh, <laughs> well, probably. I mean, their valuation's about... About the same, but I didn't actually say if Mario was going to make the list or not. You're going to have to watch the Universal list. did beat them as far as uh, box as far office. As box office yeah, that was like the first time in a long time. Yeah. But I think overall, company-wide, they're worth about the same. Same, although Disney is struggling. Um, and we have one other prediction, probably just clickbait. I'm voting Quantum Manium and Wish. Well, we will see about that. <laughs> However, before we begin. I have a little bit of a rant to make. Ah, um, I kind of, I mean, I know this is going to delay the list just a little bit, but I don't think I could live with myself if I did not say something about this. So, and it's actually very much related. So this is a tweet from director Joe Russo, not of the Russo brothers, but he is a film director. And here's something, I do want to say something about Joe Russo. I mean, I... I like the fact that he is a filmmaker that, you know, supported the strikes. He helped get the word out about Coyote versus Acme. I don't think he's a terrible guy. But one of the things he likes to do is he likes to, as he says, troll film Twitter. He likes making them mad. And he'll say stupid things like, if you don't put Godzilla minus zero on your best films of the year list, you clearly have not seen enough movies to be making a top 10 list, which, uh, for the record, I've seen more than 200 movies this year, and I liked Godzilla Minus Zero. I'm not putting it on the list. Are you putting it on the list, Rachel? Just I did list. have it on my best of list. It you was did, actually did, number okay. six. So, okay, yeah. so maybe in his He's eyes, you right. a better He's film correct. credit. Um, I don't think that's 100% cor kidding. correct. But um, anyway... There's been this movement going on, and the reason I'm using his tweet is because he's just so public and he says a bunch of dumb things sometimes, where he shares a worst movies of 2023 list and by Owen Gleiberman, um, very famous film critic, and he says, making movies is hard. Stop doing these lists. Now, I will say... On a side note, looking at this list right here, none of these movies would be on my worst film of the year list. I actually even liked a couple of them to a degree. Mm -hmm. But you know what? To Joe Russo and all the people who are saying, you know, you've probably heard this for narrative, Rachel. People yes. work hard on movies, and you're up here complaining about them, and you're shredding them, and you don't make movies, and you don't do this. Yeah. What gives you the right to to do that. If you have to write a bad review, just write the bad review and move on. Why do you have to stick to them? And here's the thing, folks. First of all, at least for my list, I don't pick 
the smaller budget independent films for the worst films of the year list. Personally, I do agree that making films is hard. And if you're an independent production and you were lucky enough to get a movie made, even if it wasn't very good, I'm not going to pick at you on the worst films of the year list. But there are a lot of movies that are not independent, that are terrible. There are millions, if not hundreds of millions of dollars spent on these movies. Hundreds of millions of dollars spent on marketing. And they go out to the world. And let's say you're a family. A couple of movies on my list are on IMAX. And they're paying $25 a ticket. And a family of four is paying $100 to see this movie. Not least of which, sometimes these movies can be up to three hours long because of previews. And by the way, if you really want to say stop doing something, say stop showing 30 minutes of previews, make it 10. But anyway, you have people who sometimes it's hard enough just to get family together, to pick a day that's free. They have to dig deep in their pocket to pay for one movie, what they would pay for a year on a subscription service in most cases. And they get not only ripped off, but they have their precious time taken away. And here's the thing. You and I see so many movies a year. And unfortunately, the movies are getting longer and sometimes not justifying being longer. And we have so many bad movies. You know how many days we have yeah. wasted watching movies? Days we will never yeah. get back. <laughs> I, I'm going to share a story yeah. with you. O- over 10 years ago, when I was working at Disney, I made a very big mistake. I offered to work overtime and an extra day right off the bat. And here's the thing. Disney will take you up on that offer. So for months, I was working 60 to 70 hour weeks from 11 a.m. to 9.30 p.m. Talk about losing track of your life. And I finally had one day off, one day off to see a movie. Couldn't find any friends to see a movie with me, so I had to just suck it up, go myself, and I unfortunately picked The Last Airbender in 3D. And my one day off got wasted by that piece one of, of the worst movies i've ever seen in my life one of the worst mov- movies ever so you know yeah. what here's the thing if you are hired to make one of these movies you know what first of all i'm glad you got paid in fact with some of these budgets i hope you had a good lunch but i'm sorry if you're an independent film you get a pass but joe and everyone who thinks we're being mean making these lists you know what I'm sorry, these studios who have all the resources in the world to make great movies, they put these marketing research together and they make something so mediocre or so bad, they take away our time and we'll never get back and they rip us off. And worst of all, they take the family who can only do this once in a blue moon, they rip them off, and then they wonder why people go like, you know what, I'm just going to stream things from now on because I just spent over $100 on a day that I didn't enjoy. Yeah, and and so to, to the Joe Roos of the world, you know what? If you can't handle criticism, don't read it. Rachel, do you have something to add to this? I do. I, as a content creator, I understand what it feels like to get really harsh reviews. I have felt it, so I, on a certain level, I can understand the. It does sting. It, it's hard, but on the other hand, I I think that it, the as, as a critic, I think it's really important that your audience see 
the full spectrum of who you are as a person, right? And if you are just basically a shill for the studios, they have no idea kind of the full picture of kind of, again, who you are. So I think it's important to do the best and the worst. And, uh, and you don't have to be mean about it. And sometimes people, you know, there was sort of the era of the angry critic for a while. And, right. and that was, that shtick was kind of popular and funny. And there are some people who can do it and be funny, but, uh, but most people don't. And uh, there's no reason to even mention most of the people involved. You just talk about the movie, right? Uh, and you don't have to be insulting or say someone's a loser or, you know, any of that. You just, uh, you just talk about the movie. And, uh, yeah. and uh, so I, I think there's a way to do it in a respectful way. That's an important part of the whole discourse of I saw over 500 movies this year, uh, new and old. And I think it's important for people to know kind of what I like and what I don't like. Yeah, you know, I'm going to have to be mean. I, I'm going to technically throw someone under the bus, but not really. I used to love watching Chris Stuckman. Mm -hmm. I felt he was one of the best reviewers on YouTube. Now, since he has become a filmmaker, he has decided he has too much respect for the process to give negative reviews. So he yeah. no longer gives he's not a critic anymore like i don't right, think i don't think of him as a film critic anymore i don't think well, he even wants to be a film critic i think well he no he well no he doesn't but he still makes reviews for the movies he likes yeah but i don't watch him anymore because knowing that he no longer okay. does negative reviews it's like i can tell before even watching okay he recommends it yeah. so that is also why um if you are a critic the worst films of the year is important as well because if you just if you just write reviews for the good stuff and you don't write reviews for the bad stuff, it doesn't mean anything. Yeah, so, I agree. I, I think it's important and I think it can be done respectfully. And uh, in the end, it's just one person's opinion. It's not more right, right. or wrong than anything else. Right. We're not, we're not going to be calling any of these people uh, fat or creatively bankrupt. We're going to be talking about the movies i mean i review horror movies for a living and, and a lot of people think all of those are terrible so you know it's, it's just one person's opinion eh, well mm -hmm. a lot of them are but, but you know i i've actually seen a few good ones thanks to uh someone sitting in front of me or so <laughs> yeah <laughs> all I, right well I, I really enjoy them so there you go and there's obviously good and bad ones just like anything else right exactly okay so i after I take a sip of water, I'm going to start the top 10 worst films of the year list. Now, my number 10 pick is always, I always save the number 10 spot for me, unless it's a truly bad year for movies, for the movie that is the most disappointed. This is a movie that normally would not be on the top 10 list, but it just had so much more potential to be good that it's all the more frustrating that it isn't. And for me, that pick is Wish by Disney. Oh, yeah. Now, there's um, some things about this I like. I actually like the animation style, which, by the way, folks, um, the animation style looks a lot better in 3D than it does when you're watching in 2D. I'm just going to... I do agree that with that. Completely. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. Like, yeah. that animation style was clearly made... Mm -hmm. to pop out a little bit. I like some yeah. of the songs. And uh, 
I think the voice acting was fine and the animation was beautiful and I like that it was original again. But here's the frustrating thing. Um, first of all, the story is not very well done. The villain's motives are... It's never really clear whether he's supposed to be a sympathetic villain or just an outright evil villain. The songs, while I like them, make terrible musical numbers. And the side character, particularly the goat, was not particularly yeah. interesting. And I think... Um, Little of Asha, him goes a long way. Long yeah, way. and Asha had that adorable personality that Disney keeps trying to push on people, and it's like they're making the same princess over and over again, but probably the worst part about it is the worst part about movies like Chippendale Rescue Rangers, where you realize you're having more fun noticing the references to other Disney movies than you are actually watching the movie itself. And so for that reason, it was a colossally disappointing movie, and I I really wish they had done something different for their 100th anniversary. And here's the thing. If Disney really, truly wanted to make a movie that had all these references to other Disney films and things like that, why didn't they make Kingdom Hearts? It's right there, and there's a reason for all of them to be together. So I, I, don't, I don't know. I know you were lukewarm on this movie. Movie. Mm -hmm. Do you think this deserves a spot on the list? <laughs> well, I really disagree with you on Chippendales. I, I really enjoyed that film. But uh, but with Wish, uh, it was just completely bland and forgettable. I saw it twice, and I, I left feeling the second time because I had to watch it a second time for, for a podcast to take you know more detailed notes. And I just left thinking I never used to see that movie again. Like, it was completely bland and i would rather watch any of the movies that it's referencing any day of the week over watching it again and and, and you know it's, it's it's a tricky movie to rank as far as my disney canon ranking because like what's worse to be completely bland and forgettable or to be like actively bad you know like it, with something like chicken little it it's it's bad and kind of mean-spirited but it does try things and it's kind of in a way it's more memorable than like, I, I remember it. And I don't know, just as an example, I it's, so it's like, boy, I think wish would end up being actually pretty low on my Disney Canon ranking. And uh, yeah. So I think it's one of the worst movies they've ever made. And uh, it's just really bland. Yeah. Okay. So, no. well, yep, fair enough. I'm not going to get into it with Chip and Dale with you because I think Chip and Dale had the same problem. This movie. although Chip and Dale admittingly was, Funnier at the very least. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh, it was but, really funny. Yep. All right. So let's talk about your number 10 film. My number 10 is Cocaine Bear. And uh, this is one of those movies that had one joke. It was a, you know, bear and cocaine. And that's it. And it just got real old for me real quick. And it's kind of thing that maybe is like a, a five minute YouTube skit or something. It could have been funny. But for our feature films, there just wasn't enough here for me. Um, okay, well, I kind of enjoy Cocaine Bear, but I will say it is definitely for me a one and done. I'm never going to rewatch it again. I probably won't. I don't think I've thought about it <laughs> um, since then. Um, and so, yeah, I I'm not in the mood to defend. <laughs> cocaine bear <laughs> even though i technically gave it a three-star review 
By the way, in regards to Wish, one of our viewers said we took our six-month-old to see twice and fell asleep twice. She was more attentive for Boy in the Hair and Witch. That is interesting because uh, uh, not going to get into that too much. Maybe we will talk about it on the best films of the list, but I was really surprised by the box office success of that movie yeah. <laughs> because it's so... I do have to say, I should add the caveat that there were a lot of bad movies that I did not see this year. A lot of the the one like I I made a conscientious effort to say I'm not gonna see like I I'll just say it outright I didn't see like Winnie the Pooh Blood and Honey or well, you know Winnie some the of these Blood and, Winnie the Pooh Blood and Honey was an independent film so even if I thought it deserved a spot on the list I wouldn't give it a spot on the list because that was made by people it was self financed so I don't feel like picking on them yeah I don't care about that but um but I I I I'm just saying there were a lot of like bad movies that might be on other people's list and people might say well cocaine bear wasn't that bad i didn't see like a ton of terrible movies is my main point yeah yeah well yeah i mean well in cocaine bear i mean it's like not like that was a beloved movie or anything i did love that elizabeth banks made it though that didn't seem like a movie she would make so um it was funnier well i thought it was fun i thought it was funny and funny enough but uh and anyway let's move on to my number nine pick and this one they definitely spent a lot of money for in my opinion not a lot of return and that is fast x mm. now i definitely have a unique um relationship with this series because i remember when someone like on facebook posted about fast and the furious six like oh my gosh these movies get better and better and i commented well the first four movies sucked <laughs> so this series did not start getting better until five i think five was when the, the series actually got entertaining and so i really liked five i liked six i liked seven and then eight definitely started to veer down nine nine went way down and then 10 is just i am officially over this thing there is nothing more they can do it's a lot of explosions for no payoff there's not even an ending in the this one i do think the villain by jason momo is actually kind of entertaining but with another death character revival or two it clearly shows that there are no consequences anymore this is a no one stays dead in comp comic book situation and so i i look at this movie costing 350 million dollars and while i think this is like usually the wrong way to think about movies i did sit watching this thinking like hmm there's a lot of hungry kids we could have fed for what they paid to make this movie. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know. What do you think? Well, I didn't like eight. I didn't like nine, but I actually had a, enough fun. I'm just not a great movie by any means, but I did give a, a fresh rating to, to, to fast X. I really enjoyed Jason Momoa. I thought he was super fun as this villain over the top engaging and uh, it, it kept to me, the, the action kept flowing enough and, uh, I mean, the stuff that you're saying isn't wrong. Like, yeah, there was like, like the plot and the reveals and stuff like that were really stupid. Um, but uh, but um, I really I really enjoyed the action and I really enjoyed the villain. So that was enough I, for me. I I do believe Jason Momoa was by far the best thing about this movie. And yeah. what really pisses me off is that. 
after this movie underperformed. And here's the thing, at $350 million where you have to make yeah. $900 million just to break even, there's no way this movie isn't going to fail. Yeah, I mean, but it's he, a little bit unfair because all of these movies this year were impacted by by COVID uh, they, quite a they, bit. Um, no, they were. They, they budgets, were. You can't but, use that excuse in Barbenheimer. Heck, you couldn't use that excuse when no, Spider-Man No Way Home came the budget I think was way more because of the COVID protocols and the delays. I mean, it's just that's just a fact, especially about Mission Impossible. I mean, yeah. that the extra year that it took. Uh, and so I'm, but it's obviously gotten ridiculous. Every movie doesn't need to be a tax shelter. It's ridiculous. But uh, I think you do have to put it in context a little bit. I, well, uh, all I see are these movies getting more and more expen expensive. And that was before COVID. Yeah. COVID. So well, yeah, and then but, you have these. Well, well um, I'm using my original point here, though. After this movie underperformed, Vin Diesel had the nerve to say there was too yeah. much Jason Momoa in that movie. Yeah. It's like, dude, I'd watch myself. That was the only good thing about yeah. your your movie. And if he walks, then you could really say goodbye to Fast Eleven or whatever they yeah. call it being I any agree. good. So, oh, all right. So, um, it's time to do. Your number nine um, pick, what is that? My number nine is Knock at the Cabin. And uh, this one, I just thought it was so muddled. The message was really uh, that you you have these two gay men that you've got these, these they're under house arrest by this, um, by this group that are like the four horsemen of the apocalypse. And at some points I thought it was trying to, it's been a while since I saw this. So forgive me for not remember everything, but um, they, uh, that it won't, at some points it almost felt like it was trying to be like a really dogmatic faith-based film and, uh, and uh, teaching about faith and, and, uh, and sacrifice. And are we going to sacrifice for the greater good? And then, and then, and then it was still trying to be sort of your 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 slick thriller horror, and I I just felt like it really, I I just felt like it really missed the mark as far as messaging and theme, and especially with the ending and what happens to one of the men, I that I found that really off putting, and so yeah, I just it wasn't for me. I didn't see it. Oh, okay. Um, I I don't know why I didn't see it. I just missed it. And, um, well, when it went on Peacock and my wife watched it, I said, so how, how was it? And she said, it sucked. Oh. And that was all. Everything. I, I, it was like, well, I guess that is a recommendation enough for me and i guess he changed to... the ending of the book and stuff so i don't know what he was thinking there it was like it was like he was trying to make one of those really heavy-handed faith-based films but like not make one i it was bizarre i don't know what he was like, thinking. Uh, i don't have much to say about this one so i'm gonna that is two women in my life who said it's not good so i'll probably <laughs> never see it now the next one i know you've seen in fact some of our viewers have seen this i am about to get into a lot of trouble picking this one all right um there might even be some subscribers who unsubscribe because i picked this this right. movie because i found out that they are very passionate um groups so uh you know i'm i'm just uh going to 
rip the band-aid off. Trolls band together was just one of the most annoying things I saw all year. Like, yes. I mean, okay, I know Trolls has its fan base, and I like the last two, and I get it. These movies are made for kids, and so I try to put it from that perspective, but God, this movie was stupid. <laughs> and it was annoying. And it's like, after three movies, can Poppy grow up a little little bit? Why do these characters have to be so static? Why, when they have so much colors, is the animation not more interesting? How did you wait so long to get in sync back together and have, like, probably the most forgettable song? 30 seconds. 30 seconds. We're barely in the movie. I mean, literally about a minute, maybe. Yep. Now, I'm going to also admit, um, I have to mention that this, like, I don't know if Trolls Band Together would have made it on the list, if not for several people on X and Instagram and Facebook basically going to war with anyone who didn't like this movie. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I saw grown adults defend this movie. And here's the thing. I want to mention, if you like it, it is fine. But this movie's made for little kids. It's made for little kids kids young children and you know maybe if it was just that maybe i wouldn't take that much offense but you know what i also acknowledge that you know what when i mean toy story was made for kids but it still matured as the movies go on go on same thing with the the potter movies movies, so i like movies made for little 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 kids yeah yeah so well i didn't see pop well i didn't see paw patrol but the thing is it's like after three movies, it's like, I think we need to start doing a little better than Love and Friendship Saves the Day, as well as a big musical number with a main protagonist who is basically the most naive person in the entire movie. I I hate watching movies where half of the problems are there because the main character, honestly cannot think see through the very common mistake they're about to make oh i don't know what about you yeah i am that higher higher you you have that higher well in that case we will hold off um and wait till we get there so that you can have your say in it but in the meantime (laughs) um what is your number we're on number eight right yeah yeah we're at number eight what's your number eight movie my number eight is uh my disney plus uh film which you said i could include uh you know i cover christmas movies for my job uh and uh so i watch all of the holiday films and one of my least favorites was uh from disney plus called dashing through the snow and uh ludicrous Boy, I mean, if you can call it a performance, it felt like he was reading cue cards the whole time. Like, I've never seen somebody just so flat and unemotive and just nothing. And uh, Lil Ray Howery, he was just not for me. Um, He was very annoying playing Santa. Um, The little girl was, like, cute enough, but it just, I found the whole thing just, like, really annoying. And (laughs) I really didn't like it. (laughs) And So. so... Yeah, I watched about thirty minutes of it, then I turned it off. Um, yeah. I just yeah. wanted to see if it was worth um, 
making an exception for this because typically the my one of my personal rules folks is that the movie has to have at least a brief limited release to make it on my list uh she has a different criteria and it's like well rather than have her redo the list i would check the couple streaming movies and yeah it's probably worth telling people to avoid <laughs> yeah all right all right then so but i haven't seen the whole thing so it was like i don't have much more to add all right so number seven and technically this movie did go to at least a couple theaters so i could include it um and it is uh the monkey king by netflix this was an adaptation of journey to the west the fabled chinese tale some of you might um know the more derivative um adaptation dragon ball but yeah the monkey king is an actual story and it's had many adaptations and i think the netflix version was definitely one of the worst um not because of cultural appropriation or anything, but because the actual Monkey King himself is so unlikable that you don't want him to get any better. Like, you actually want to see the main hero fail, and you take glee when he suffers. And then when he does change, it's so quick and arbitrary that it makes absolutely no sense whatsoever. So... uh I mean, since it was Netflix, only had that, that one week theatrical run. So the good news is not a lot of people were ripped off, but I still think your time is being wasted if you watch this movie. Did you see this movie? Um, I did not. That is one animated film I missed. Wow, you missed an animated film. Never. <laughs> well, if you were going to miss one, this is definitely... Sounds like it. And my one. friend... Finn Matt Burnett, she, he also didn't have good things to say. So, yeah, I'm, I missed it. Yeah. You know, it's actually kind of sad. This is the third animated film that's shown up on my worst list so far tonight. But just to let all you animation fans know, it is the last <laughs> animated film that I'm going to be having on this list. So for those of you who predicted or thought that I would put the Super Mario Brothers movie on this list, I guess you were wrong. So, <laughs> all right. Now for your, oops, click the wrong thing right there. What is your pick for the number seven? Well, my number seven might uh, cause some clutching of pearls. People might be upset because it's a prestige film. It's an os supposed Oscar contender. And sometimes those can be really bad. You know, just because something is well-made does not mean make it, it, uh, does not mean it can't end up on my worst of the year list. And I wouldn't even actually say this is well-made. Um, it's a uh, Ferrari. I have at number seven. I thought that this was, I thought the script was so clunky. Uh, I didn't really care about any of these relationships, this love triangle that we're presented with. I mean, people are praising Penelope Cruz and I guess she's good, but like, she's kind of given this classic role of sort of the weepy wife, you know, that's at home while he's off with his, the mistress and, and Shailene Woodley is terrible in the movie. She's so miscast and I didn't even think the racing, there's one scene that is impressive, but for the most part, the racing looked kind of cheap. And uh, I just, I thought it was bad. I was like, I can't believe this is like Michael Mann. I thought it was bad. So it's number seven. Well, I knew this would come. I, I'd have to like agree that this was not a very good movie. <laughs> <laughs> one of the worst name for me, that'd be a stretch, but you know, it's yeah. 
It was bad. I know that Michael Mann is capable of doing much, much better than this. Um, and I was surprised and not... that the VFX didn't even like look mm. that good. I mean, I and don't I, know. And I agree that Shailen Woolley had like the worst accent. Um, yeah, she was so misfast. I did kind of like Penelope Cruz in it. She might be one of those silver linings, but I thought Adam Driver wasn't a very good Ferrari. And you're right, the racing sequences um, was bad. Yeah, the, the script wasn't very good. So eh, it was definitely like me. So, all right, my number six uh, film might as well have been a cartoon. <laughs> I'll put it that it might as well have been a cartoon because it sure played out like one. It is the Marvels. And and... Also, my number six. So we're the oh, same. okay. So that's yeah. that's interesting. So we both picked not only this movie, but we picked it in the same spot. <laughs> All right. So here's the thing. I want to make it very clear, guys. I didn't hate this movie because it starred women. That always seems to be the go-to. Like, well, if you didn't like this, you must hate women. Like, no. I hate that it's poorly written, how everything looks fake, that very few of the characters you'd actually know what was going on if you didn't watch previous TV shows. And I watched a couple of the previous TV shows, and even I had a hard time following this mess of a film. Yeah. And it really seemed like the not the movie that I wanted to be told for a sequel to Captain Marvel. I want... In fact, what's really interesting is there is an event in this movie that Captain Marvel is hated for by the villains. And you find out technically she did do something wrong. And it's like, you know, why isn't that the movie we're watching where she fights so hard to do something good? And it turns out she completely a lot of these people's lives because she thought she was doing something good. Why is a movie not about that? Instead, it's about these three misfits trying to work together and juggle together and learn what it means to be family. And I, I don't want to hate on Brie Larson. Brie Larson is a talented actress, just watched her in Lessons in Chemistry, and that was a very good show with her in it. But Captain Marvel as a character is just so stoic and stiff that it's like, what is her personality at this point? Like, what, what is it? I don't understand who this woman is. So, uh, Although I will say the highlight of the movie was the cat scene. That scene I laughed yeah, quite a bit. That was bit funny. At, but but yeah, I don't know. So since this I was mean, your number six pick. <laughs> yeah, I felt like this felt like five screenplays put into a blender. And then, and then you know, it was it was so frustrating. There was no sense of like coherency or story or character arcs or like one minute it would be about Captain Marvel and this genocide thing. And then one minute it would be about Nick Fury. And then it would be back to uh, this singing planet. And then we're back to the genocide. And then we're and and like I didn't. I, I hadn't watched any of the shows and I mean, except for WandaVision, which was a long time ago. And a lot of the things just didn't make any sense. Like I didn't really understand what was going on with Captain Marvel and this planet. And she's going you know, to like, she has to destroy the sun. Why does she have to destroy the sun? Because of there's this been this genocide that she was responsible for, but they kept moving away from it. So I had no chance to get like involved. And the villain was terrible and uh, one of the worst that they've ever had if not the worst and uh it was just 
I don't know. It was just a complete mess. And I was so glad that it wasn't successful because I feel like it was Disney's example of saying they think they can put anything out under the Marvel name and people will go see it. And I'm glad that people were like, no, this is not good enough. And I think all three of these ladies deserved better. Yeah. And, you know, it's a shame. It's a shame that this movie primarily starred women and was directed by an African-American woman the first time that's ever happened. And so it's a shame that that's how it worked out. But, you know, if the movie's not good, the movie is not good. And by the way, I'm glad you brought up the singing planet because that was one of the few points where I was starting to get a smile. And then they copped out on the joke. They totally copped out on the joke by having a bilingual speaker when it's like, no, turn this into a Bollywood musical for 10 minutes or or so. That might actually be interesting. You have to have some kind of coherency to your script. You have to have things have to flow. You have to have a plot that goes from A to Z. Uh, and you can't just it was so obvious that they had that they had done something darker with the whole genocide plot. And it must have tested badly. And we know that they did lots of research, which they always do, but they did extensive research on this movie. And then they didn't even care. And they just wedged it in wherever the, the, the quote unquote fun stuff, wherever they felt like it without any, like without any caring about any sort of storytelling, you know? So, you know, one of the books I books I read last year was, the Rise of the MCU, which is and the I history of Marvel. Now, it's a very good book, even if you're not very a big fan of Marvel, especially kind of how, in some ways, Marvel Studios resembled Walt Disney when they were trying to get their first movie made and how much they banked on it. But a very interesting thing in that book is for every movie, they budget for reshoots. They always put in the budget enough money so that they can reshoot the movie if they feel it's not working. But you know what? A lot of filmmakers don't have to do this. They mm-hmm. nail the story early on, they finalize it, and they and don't do research reshoots unless it's absolutely like in reshoots, it's fine if like hey, we missed a we, we didn't get a good line reading here, we want to redo this, we wanna, you know, this scene didn't come out the way we wanted, whatever. That's normal. But, but the but way to come to to wedge in humor because your story's too serious, I, that is well, terrible. Well, well like, the way this studio does it is they test market it, and they this is when yeah. you know when critics it's like so us say that Marvel when you know when critics like us say that Marvel movies have no vision. This is what we're talking about. Yeah. It's because they always test it, and even if who knows, we might have gotten a lot better Marvel movies if they didn't screen test these things things but whatever we would have gotten from nita costa and her original vision it couldn't have been worse i'll tell you that that's for sure yeah it really couldn't have been and but i'm just tired of them basically guessing their way through these movies and changing things because it's like they're second guessing themselves so late into the product production like if if they have faith in these movies they gotta these stories they gotta nail them soon earlier and sooner and this is one of the this and Ant Man Quantumania, which didn't make my list, but just barely. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah, that. Um, if you had made the- if you had made me uh, uh, not include the streaming, I probably would have had 
I, I would have had uh, Bottoms and um, Quantumania as my uh, replacement. Alternatives. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah. So, yeah. I, well, I'm glad we agree on the same spot that... It really made the, me mad. I was really... Uh, I was really irritated. Well... So. It didn't make it didn't make me mad that these top five movies it just felt uh, smug to me on the part of Disney that they don't even have to care about any kind of plot that they think they can just put this out and people and and I'm just glad that for once people were like nope not good enough yeah well I agree with you there well the next movie that Disney did put out did did make me a little mad because uh, well. The Haunted Mansion was originally going to be a Guillermo del Toro movie. Yes. And I don't know what that would have been like, but I can guarantee it would have been better than this. Now, the one thing about this movie I liked, I like Jared Leto as the Hatbox Ghost. I do not know why Jared Leto gets crapped on the way he does when he's usually the best thing about the movie. But aside from his creepy, understated performance, this is a horrendously stupid movie with a story that makes no sense characters that I don't even know if I like the characters. It kind of seems like most of the characters who get stuck in the haunted house actually kind of deserve to be tortured there Um, for all of the weird visual effects. There's not a lot of logic to how the haunted mansion actually works and just just for kicks and giggles, and this is where Disney's smugness truly comes into play. They released a stupid thing in July, as opposed to October, when people might actually have wanted to see this. So, yeah, how yeah, that work I have it at four, so I'm 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 with you on this. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah, this okay. was this movie was so boring. I I was just. I was fighting sleep the entire time. It was so dull. And I can't think of a family film that was more drab and downbeat and lacking in fun. It's just amazing when you have all of these talented, funny people and they were just not funny, like at all. And uh, Tiffany Haddish, she's just like wearing on my last nerve these days. Like, I don't know. She, she needs to fire her agent. I think she, she's not. Yeah, she's not she really been in very does. good movies. I wouldn't even call this a family film because you know when I think of a family film, I think of something that's wholesome and life affirming and uh, not PG thirteen rated. And this movie is so grim and dreary. That's and what I'm saying. Dark grim. and it's. Li- I mean, I think a movie based on a Disneyland ride should be a family film, and I I, can, I think some PG thirteen movies are are family films, but but it, regardless, like a movie like this that was just so downbeat and drab and and uh i i just thought it was so boring and i just cannot believe that you hire winona Ryder and mary lou henner two amazing actresses and all you give them to do is lead a tour at the beginning of the movie like what (laughs) it was so bizarre and uh, I love Mary. Like I'm actually kind of semi sort of friends with Mary Lou Henner. Uh, she's done a lot of Hallmark stuff and she, we kind of have a, we text a little bit and we're just, I know her as a person and I love her and she's awesome. And she's so talented. And to, 
it was just bizarre to me that it was like, what? Why do you have her just going on this tour at the beginning? It was so bizarre. She, because she's not Owen Wilson or Tiffany Haddish. Like they even underused Jamie Lee Curtis because, yeah. you know, le- legend, you can't put her in more than 10 minutes of the movie. <laughs> yeah, it was it was so bad. I was so mad. Yep. But uh, yeah. now I am. Cu- I am curious, though. Did you think Jared Leto was an effective villain? Like, I know he wasn't a great character, but like, had they actually given him a character? I think he looked and acted the part very well. He seemed to be the only one trying. I guess I don't know. It it was just I was just so bored that I didn't care. I guess at that point. Okay. <laughs> okay. I think that he gets a lot of bad publicity because of his of his method acting shenanigans that he does, which are just he needs he he should be a little more respectful to his fellow castmates and to other people. And I think. That uh, especially, you know, what you heard about in Suicide Squad and some other stuff is just not respectful. And uh, so he could work on that. Yeah, well, I, I don't judge his personal life. I'm just judging his work in the movies. So, mm-hmm. all right. So um, let's see. So let's see here. Since you're number five pick, I think we'll yeah. skip your number four pick because we you basically, we basically talked about it in extension. And it yes. was so close to each other. But what was your number five pick? My number five pick was a comedy called About My Father. And this... Uh, uh, I've never st- heard of this. Yes. So this stars Sebastian Maniscalco and uh, and uh, and Robert De Niro. And uh, it, has, uh, it has Kim Cattrall in it, Le- Leslie Bibb. It has like a, a, a cast. Oh. But okay, it just felt like... Here's a question. Is there anything interesting about this movie other than the cast? <laughs> no. And it, it felt like something from the 90s, like something that maybe like a Jim Carrey or somebody like that would be in. Really crass, really. Uh, so it's about this guy. He gets he gets engaged to this rich woman. He's like this. Uh, I guess this guy, Sebastian Maniscalco, he has like a stand up bit about uh his um him being italian and and uh it's his kind of um blue collar family and and uh so i guess this was based on his stand-up but um but uh so his dad is a hairdresser but is uh is kind of uh isn't up to this, you know, the posh I, standards. Of this, I am already not interested. In yeah. This. Of this family that he's engaged to with Leslie Bibb. And it, it wasn't, it wasn't funny. It was annoying. But the thing that really especially annoyed me about this movie uh, is, is that uh, there's a scene and I guess this could be considered a spoiler, but who cares? Um, there's a scene where Robert De Niro um cooks the family's peacock um and it's supposed to be like a funny joke that oh they're all enjoying this meal and then you see this you see the feathers in the in the trash bin and like oh he he just fed them their peacock and i just thought that was really really gross like that was just disgusting to to feed people their pet like even if you don't like them if you don't respect them like if you think that a peacock is a stupid pet like 
that's just terrible. <laughs> and, and so uh, it was just, it was just terrible. Yeah. So. I see how the peacock joke could be funny in a smart dark comedy, but this doesn't sound very interesting. No. So um, now it's just gross. That yeah, seems kind of, that seemed kind of desperate. Well, I'd never heard about it before tonight. So I clearly have nothing to say about it. So my number four pick and really these are the kind kinds of movies these shows were made for <laughs> the meg true meg to the trench yeah i'm not even going to describe the story big giant shark <laughs> trying to eat someone i mean look if you like dumb shark movies you might actually like the this one i'm gonna give it that but it's did you it like was, the first one no no. Although well, it seemed although it definitely seemed like a masterpiece in comparison to <laughs> the second one, which was somehow dumber. I didn't and... see that's what I'm saying. I kind of tried to avoid like really bad movies this year, and I didn't see this because I didn't like the first one. I thought the first one was actually surprisingly boring. Like it was there was uh, not as much shark action as I expected. There was a lot of time of like on that ship and talking and well, and There's then, more so shark like, action in this one, but it didn't make it any better. And yeah. in fact, if anything, it I heard that from worse. like all my friends. I'm like, no. Yeah. So no yeah, no, that one. So yeah, no Meg two. Skip it. Your number your number four pick was the haunted um, mansion. Haunted mansion. The so haunted... we discussed yeah. that. The haunted um, nap. Haunted <laughs> nap. Well. My number three pick is House Party, although this movie uh, is no party to uh, go to. Um, now, yeah, originally, I this was going, that one. Yeah, it, it was originally going to be like an HBO Max exclusive, and they put it in theaters. Which, on the one hand, I'm glad that they actually did that because sending original movies to streaming is truly a waste of money. You might as well put them in theaters and get something out of it. But that didn't mean it was worth actually paying to see in about a couple guys who throw a house party um in lebron james mansion which uh hey this is this is the second lebron james movie that he's made to wind up in my top 10 list so he should, pro well, he should probably shut up like and dribble. It, it's not even I, i've heard from people that like the the original is pretty fun this is just not not good well, I, I didn't know if this i didn't realize this was a remake but oh uh, yeah yeah it's a remake oh well um well, you know that make that makes it all the worse because I'm, I'm less interested in seeing the original yeah. now, and maybe the original is good. But when people, I guess I'll make this point then: when people say, "Well, remakes don't harm the original," oh yes, they do. The repu, the reputation. Mm -hmm. If you say how yeah, the Party original and is 1990 and uh, has Martin Lawrence. Oh wait, I have yeah. heard of this movie. Yes. Oh, you're right. Yeah, okay. So I have heard of that movie. But now when people say House Party, this might be the one they think of, and then they never seek out the original. So Exactly. It, it is it is harmful. Okay. Let's uh Agreed. go. Let's go to uh your no, number three pick. 
My number three is where I have trolls band together. I found ah. this movie just excessively annoying. And I I just found Poppy to be so insufferable. And I, I think about these trolls movies is that the big message is always like acceptance and love and kindness. But it's not. Unless you are like Poppy, then you're wrong and you need to change. If you don't like to dance like her, if you don't like to behave, if you don't like the same music as her, if you don't like everything, then you have to change and you're, uh, you know, you're bad. And uh, that was no exception in this movie. And, And they had all of the bait and switch in the trailers were, were, so annoying like the whole thing with her sister is underwhelming the uh the 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 in sync thing was a joke and, and and especially when you have characters that are a boy band why we would not have the in sync members voicing those the boy zone is beyond me it makes no sense and uh yeah it just was terrible and I hated so, it. So, so sorry, you know, fans. I really didn't like it. <laughs> so you know, we we kind of had a little bit of a brush up with a few trolls fans this summer. <laughs> We're not gonna lie. Right now, the trolls community are not in our good graces for the most part, and that's fine. I don't think we're in their good graces either. But now that you've brought something up, do you think the reason some of these people connect to these movies so well? is because they like the idea that there is a main character that basically the whole world has to change for, and she never has to change herself or take responsibility for anything. Do you think that might be some of the appeal? There's a a whole video on YouTube uh, where somebody talks about the toxic positivity of trolls, and he's absolutely (laughs) right. He's absolutely right. And (laughs) so... uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I don't, I mean, aside from the, you know, the bright, colorful animation, I can kind of appreciate that, I guess. But, uh, but uh, and people are like, oh, you hate DreamWorks. That's ridiculous. My favorite movie last year was from DreamWorks. I really love Ruby Gilman. And most people, you know, didn't like that. Uh, but this one just, it's just not, the franchise isn't for me. This movie isn't for me. And so, uh, yeah, there you go. So- I don't think Ruby Gilman is a significantly better movie than this. It is better, though. But I w- will say it's better enough that that movie should have made a lot yeah. more money than this one did. Fair enough. Fair so enough. I uh, that, that's what I'll say <laughs> to that one. Gosh, are we on the top? But I am not. Of- People were like, why don't you just admit that you hate DreamWorks? I'm like, I'm not going to admit that because it's not true. <laughs> yeah. I'll admit I hate trolls if you want me to. <laughs> yeah, I'll admit I hate trolls. <laughs> <laughs> like maybe. All right. So my number two pick of the year is the Expendables 4. Mm. And this was, you know, it's been joked about that this is the action movie for your dad who remembers like all the old action heroes and things like that. And was this this one they seem to be trying to pass the torch on to a younger generation, but there's not going to be another generation if this movie is anything to go by. I mean, it had a worse than terrible script. It had a pretty mm. forgettable villain. And visual, and visual effects that look like they came out of PlayStation 2 games. Like It's actually bad. Yeah. And kind of amazing that this movie, how much did it cost? It cost a hundred million dollars to make this movie, 
and the graph for the graphics to come out turning the way they did. I mean, and the fact that Megan Fox was one of the major additions, and she's she's no actress. Um, you know, I know the last Expendable movies got a lot of flack because it went to PG thirteen from R. And that was a problem, but you know, at least it had Mel Gibson in a very memorable role as the villain. This doesn't even have that. I think the main villain is Andy Garcia in this movie, and he's uh, he's no Mel Gibson. He's no John Claude Van Damme. <laughs> you know, he doesn't have the charisma. And of course, it took Sylvester Stallone out of the movie very early on. And considering he's been the Rock in this whole thing, that was just a bizarre thing to to do um and then for them to not like truly remove him from the franchise makes me wonder why they it seemed like well we're gonna try to pass the torch but just in case it doesn't work we're gonna keep him around so mm -hmm. I'm, I'm gonna assume this is one you didn't see no i did not like i said i avoided ones that uh looked uh terrible and everybody i know who saw it said it was terrible so yeah. Uh, no, so, no thanks. So I gave this movie one star. My wife gave it four stars, and that's why they say for better and worse. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> just, <That's> the, <laughs> just throwing that out there, folks. <laughs> All right. Really funnier than anything in Expendables Four. What you just said. <laughs> well, well, eh, well. In all fairness, Expendables Four was meant to be funny, but it might be funnier than anything in your number two pick. Yes. <laughs> okay, my number two, and I was—I admit I'm not the target audience for this movie, both in the fact that I'm not a dog owner and also the fact that I tend to not love really, really, really like crass comedies. But I was trying to get out of my comfort zone. I thought maybe I might enjoy it. I, I have been known to enjoy uh, a, a, a crass comedy on occasion, but uh, this was strays and it was kind of like cocaine bear in the sense that this is a movie that had like maybe two ideas and it, it maybe could have been fun for like a, a, a five minute skit, a YouTube video, something like that. But for a, a feature film, it was unbearable. I, I was so close to walking out of this movie. I just I couldn't stand it. Really, the only, th the only things it's got is that cute little dogs saying the F word a lot is funny for some reason. And uh, a lot of poop jokes. And so if that's your jam, if you think that is hilarious, then you'll love this movie. I don't think that's that funny. And uh, and uh, it just got old super quick. And I just couldn't stand it. It was not for me. Well, this is my jam. And I did mildly enjoy this movie, although not enough to watch it again. I also admit, because I'm, I am such a dog person, the scene where um, the dog explains why his family abandoned him. I mean, that that kind of got me here. But but otherwise, it's it's not much of a movie to defend it is basically just, the one or two jokes and here's yeah. something that's actually confusing over me a little over bit and over and over again and well, just... you know but here's what's confusing me a little bit it's like okay we got strays that's fine apparently gendy tarvaski uh if i pronounce that name correctly yeah, the guy fix. who directed Ho hotel transylvania he's making a movie called fix which sounds exactly like this movie except it's rated r and it's like is this concept funny enough to warrant two movies out of the year yeah doing and, it and i feel like that fixed movie i've been hearing about for so long i, I mean i guess we're finally going to get it this year but i feel like i've been in that's been in my preview for animation for, for 
forever. So I guess we're finally going to get it. But yeah, I mean, anything can be anything can be done well with a good script. It always comes down to script, and this script was just not there. They they had. I don't know, like like I said, maybe it's like a YouTube skit. It could have been fine, but yeah. I mean, in that whole whole scene in the in the dog pound, I just it was well, awful. I mean, uh, the, that scene I know you're talking about. Like, uh, I mean, you would think that the pound people would look at what's happening and kind of going like something very suspicious about this, and like really play on how unusual that yeah. is it was that, just like, like oh look poop is funny i mean come uh, on i mean yeah like you know I, I'm, we're gonna spoil so something for you like the, the dogs poop because the people pip, pick them up but they poop in a perfect line and yeah. it's like you know there's a joke there if the pound man actually looks at that and thinks there's something weird about that but he doesn't he just yeah. walk, walks in and slips all over it i couldn't stand it i thought it was terrible well obviously it was no number two where it didn't even make nine number one all right so i'm going to share my dishonorable mentions then you can share your dishonorable mentions and then we'll actually switch we can talk about your be you'll see what i did there be you know we can talk about your mm -hmm. worst movie okay. first and then i'll talk about now so the so these movies are dishonorable mentions um one of I'm probably going to get some people upset about me. One of them is Nimona. I didn't put it there because it, it clearly wasn't a worst film of the year contender, but I had major issues with that third act. Um, yeah. Anatomy of a Fall. I know that this is a critical darling, oh, but oh, I, I really enjoyed that. I yeah. hated the fact, you know, what really bothered me is like the prosecutor like was allowed to just, ramble on and on and on with every crazy wild theory and no one in the courtroom is basically telling him get to the po point or shut up and it bothered me uh ant-man and the wasp quantumanium uh i mean maybe this should have been taken fast x's place but uh i at least liked the bill murray scene in it so it's there the shift it didn't get put in because angel studios is technically an independent studio but if they have a few more hits, then movies like The Shift will not be acceptable in the future. The Super Mario Brothers movie, I'd put it on the list if it weren't just so bland. And Aquaman, The Lost Kingdom, which uh, uh, felt like when I was watching that in IMAX 3D, I was really hoping that I could be watching Avatar The Way of Water <laughs> in IMAX 3D again, which yeah. was clearly the much better underwater movie in fact i think aquaman must be pretty darn forgettable because i forgot what um <laughs> i i forgot that aquaman's brother was in the first movie so. <laughs> and i actually kind of liked him a lot more in this one so anyway those are my dishonorable mentions so what are your dishonorable mentions yeah so i mean i agree with some of those aquaman that was a snooze. Uh, the Ant-Man, Quantumania, another like complete bore fest. Uh, I the one I guess that I had unpopular opinion about this season was uh, was Bottoms. I just didn't get it. I didn't think it was funny. I felt like the big joke was girls punching people is funny, and I don't know why that's more funny than boys punching people. Like 
they're both not funny to me. Um, I don't know. I just didn't think it was funny. <laughs> I didn't like oh, it. I, I, th um, I, think I think both are hilarious when done right. <laughs> no, I, I, I don't know. Yeah, I just, I just didn't get it. And other people loved it. I just didn't think it was funny. Um, and uh, and then there uh, was this movie uh, that I saw at. A, uh, I went to three film festivals, and I know you, you know, you don't pick on the indies, but. Ooh, there it can be a rough experience sometimes some of those festival films can be and there was this movie called eureka uh that i saw at the new york film festival and it was painful um it it was t telling these three stories over different time periods and it was particularly this long section where they were following this police officer on a reservation uh, in, it was like, it was like current, I think current times as I recall. And you're just watching her like pull people over, interrogate people. Um, and there's a thing with her sister and a bird. And I don't know, it was so boring. It was so like, I just, it was painful. I hated it. Um, so well, 73% yeah. on Rotten Tomatoes, so yeah, you must. Yeah. But on the other hand, like, uh, but Anatomy of a Murder also had a much higher Rotten Tomato score, and I well, I really enjoyed Anatomy of Murder, so I disagree with you on that one. But yeah. by the way, um, we will recount the movies at the end of the episode, Alex, just to let you know. Thank you for watching from X, by the way. All right, so we're gonna switch it up a bit. What's your worst film of the year? My worst film of the year uh, is also probably my most disappointing. I, you know, I love body swap movies. I, we've covered all of the Freaky Friday movies on Homeworkies podcast. I love your name. It's one of my favorite, if not my favorite movie. Um, and uh, so I, I love the genre. And so when I heard that Family Switch was coming out and that it was a Christmas movie, I was really excited because I was like, oh, this will be so fun to cover on the podcast. And, and uh, this is going to be really funny. And when I heard that the baby was switching with the dog, I was like, oh my gosh, that sounds hilarious. And I hated it. <laughs> it was absolutely horrible like they just none of it was funny none of it was clever uh even the baby switching with the dog that he wasn't even funny and like the the level of humor here is you have incest jokes you have flatulence humor these teenagers are portrayed as being complete morons that they would have no idea how their parents behave or what their parents uh do or the fact that their mom is lactose intolerant or you know and she's got this big meeting that that wouldn't be like discussed don't eat that you know don't eat like it was just so dumb and frustrating and it had so much potential to be really funny and clever and and uh so yeah it was awful so that was my worst well, it certainly doesn't sound like a Freaky Friday. Um, I might have discovered why it was so bad because the director was Mick G. <laughs> Mick G yeah. is, in my opinion, one of the worst directors of all time. He has actually directed one of the worst movies I've ever seen, Charlie's Angels. Now, his other filmography includes Charlie's Angels Full Throttle, We Are Marshall, which in all fairness was pretty good. Uh, Terminator Salvation, This Means War, Three Days to Kill, The Babysitter, yeah. Rim of the World, The Babysitter Killer Queen, Family Switch, 
that is one good movie out of a dozen films. Yeah, that's true. It's so, a rough legacy. And and folks, this is why I tell you, pay attention to who directs the films. It is important. It could give you a clue on what you're getting yourself into. I watched 15 minutes of this movie and I said, yeah, okay, you can you can include it. I, I'm not gonna <laughs> I'm not gonna argue this one. Especially yeah. since I'm also picking a Netflix movie as the worst film of the year. Mm. Now, this one did go to theaters, and I had the misfortune of seeing it in theaters. And this was not only terrible, this is one of the rare times where the marketing and the release is actually offensive. And we're talking about Rebel Moon Part 1, A Child of Fire. There are no words to describe how dumb this is how bad the characters are how ugly the cgi is how inconsistent the directing is and here's what makes this all the worse Zack snyder has been doing a press tour of this and every time yeah. he's talking about the movie he is making a point to tell you by the way the director's cut is coming and it's much better. It's like a completely yeah, different so movie. annoying. Could it be rated R? Let me finish this rant. I got to get it out. <laughs> he is talking. Now, the way things used to work is you were sending a movie to theaters. And sometimes because you wanted that PG-13 rating to get the kids in there, you would compromise on a few things. But you would get promised that when it comes to DVD, you could have the unrated or the R-rated cut. Because that would be a new version they could sell to people. And sometimes it was like a very different movie. Case in point, Pearl Harbor and Daredevil were actually much better movies in their R-rated forms than they were in their PG-13 version. But there was a financial incentive to do that. Netflix only released this movie for like one or two weeks in a handful of theaters plus some critics' screenings. The intent was always to send it to streaming where there is no money made, but don't let them tell you otherwise, which means that Netflix purposefully released a compromised, worse version of an apparently better movie that they will release later on just to waste our time. And you know what? I'm not playing that game. It's like, you know what? No, I do not care if the R-rated version is better. I will purposefully not watch it now because this PG-13 release was so bad, so insulting, showed so little respect for our time that they would even do it like this that I am not even going to give it the time of day when that apparently better version comes out. Because you know what I think is happening right now? And this has happened with several Zack Snyder films is whenever he releases a bad PG-13 cut, we talk about Batman v Superman, Justice League, which admittingly was more complicated, or Sucker Punch, he releases an R-rated version. That is better than the PG-13 version. But you know what? I bet you if they release those R-rated versions first, they would not be seen as favorably because they're probably also not very good. They're just better than what we got last time. And if this is the game that they're going to play, I want no part in it. Yeah, I I certainly didn't recommend it. It didn't make my worst list, but it was very bland and very... And I was surprised at how small 
it felt. Like I was expecting something sort of like bigger and epic, but a lot of the movie, especially the first like 30 minutes is on this like farm village. Is it this village and like people talking and, and then, and then the second part is just sort of, there's like a stop and they try to, it's basically your magnificent seven, your, your seven samurai story. And they go, teach these different warriors and they talk to them and see if they can recruit them. There's like so little actual like epic moments I thought. And, okay. uh, and so, yeah. I, and the, that whole thing was the attempt to sort of manufacture a Snyder cut kind of movement was just really annoying. Yeah. There there's that, that campfire scene in this movie where the main actress spends 10 or 15 minutes just explaining the plot and how everything works and mm -hmm. how the world works. And it's like, you can't figure out how to, <laughs> how to share this visually yeah. or in, organically in the movie. Now, you know what? Here's the thing. Uh, here's something else I'm going to mention. This was originally supposed pitched as a star Wars movie. And yeah. if Kathleen Kennedy turned this down, it shows that she's not as bad at managing star Wars <laughs> as people say, say she is. I mean, don't get me wrong. She's still pretty bad, but uh, she still had some sense to know that this would, be a franchise killer. I mean, Netflix wants to make a franchise out of this, but as with buildings without foundations, you can't build something upon nothing. Mm. And yeah, this whole manufactured thing, like business-wise, it makes no sense for Netflix because mm. Netflix isn't selling tickets or anything yeah, like I that. Agree. But I really, I really do feel like they watch the movie. I think the uncut version is not very good, but I bet you it's going to be a little better than this one. So they decided, you know what? Let's make a worse version so that when this version comes out, we can get praise for it being better, even though there was absolutely no reason to do it like this. Yeah. In that makes sense. One. Yeah. So that yeah. one. So for those of you who came in late and Alex has been wanting to know what number 10 is for a while, <laughs> just as a quick recap, my top 10 worst films of the year were wish fast 10, Trolls World Tour, The Monkey King, The Marvels, Haunted Mansion, The Meg 2, House Party, Expendables 4, and my absolute worst film of the year was Rebel Moon Part 1, Child of Fire. And Rachel's top 10 worst films of the year list were Cocaine Bear, Knock at the Cabin, Darling Throwing the Snow. Is that what it's called? Dar Dashing Darling? Through the Snow. Dashing Through the Snow, okay. Ferrari, The Marvels, About My Father. Haunted Mansion, Trolls Band Together, Strays, and Family Switch. So these are all movies that are to be avoided. And yes, Joe Russo, they are. We have every right to criticize them because they took our money, our time. We're not going to get them back. And then I don't know. Maybe the joke's on us. I mean, we spent one more hour talking about these movies, and hopefully, we <laughs> never. Never have to do that again. Uh, geez, that was a lot of Disney. Yeah. Yeah, it was a rough year for that. Yeah, and, nice. and I mean, heck, Ant Man and the Wasp Quantumanium also almost barely <laughs> made our yeah. our list. I mean, you know, you're doing bad when the Little Mermaid is actually pretty good compared to the yeah. to the rest of the stuff, and that had the scuttlebutt in there. <laughs> And if people want to hear much more of my thoughts on Disney, just posted uh, today my uh, ranking of all of the Disney Studios projects uh, with my friend Stanford. Uh, 34 total, including decons and just everything. So uh, yeah, check it and out. 
And there were not a lot that you two went and said, yeah, this was yeah. good. It was a, it was a rough, it was a rough grouping, but it was fun. I think it was a fun episode of the pod. Yep. Okay, folks. So you can subscribe to this channel and you could also subscribe to Rachel's reviews. And, uh, well, after we take a week long break, do you want to come back and do the best films of the year? <laughs> <laughs> sure. Sure. Uh, okay. I yeah. don't, I do not anticipate hopefully having as big of a disagreement as, the whale (laughs) from last last year (laughs) um and uh at least rise of the beasts wasn't on there was that the transformers movie transformers Mm -hmm. rise of the Beasts? yeah i mean i kind of enjoyed i enjoyed it i mean uh, well compared to a couple of transformers movie that was (laughs) i mean yeah that context (laughs) yeah (laughs) all right folks Folks, we'd love to know what some of your worst films of the year are and whether you agree or disagree with any of our picks. You can comment below, like, favorite, share, subscribe, and as always, flame responsibly. Have a good one.